0: Somebody want to do me a favor and read Hebrews 13, 15, to the end. It says 15 to 25. I'll do it. Thank you, Forrest. Nice and loud, please. Okay. I'm
1: still flipping there. Okay, good. 15, to to the end. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. For I have written to you briefly, you should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints, those who come from Italy, send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Amen.
0: So, I find it funny that you called it a short letter. Um, I don't know about you guys, but it's slightly humorous. I mean, I guess you could have written it longer. That's true. But <clears throat> let's, let's start where we picked up or where we left off last week. Does anybody remember what we were talking about last week? It has everything to do with a sacrifice, where that sacrifice is taking place. And it's a, you can get very technical with it, but does anybody want to recall for us what was being said? Anybody, anybody? Anybody? If you
1: want.
0: Oh, Jesus was taken outside the camp, suffered outside of the gate is the word that uh, is used in ESV in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So in other words, not only is he the priest doing the sacrificing, but he's also the sacrifice, right? He's he's every single portion of it. And there is nothing else being left left to be done. And that's good news for everybody, right? That is the good news. If you want to know what the gospel is, the good news, it is that Jesus is the sacrifice needed to take away your sin and my sin, right? He's also the righteousness that we need, right? There's this word that our kids just learned, double imputation. I love it. I love it. The, the, the stuff that they're talking about this is talking about the double imputation of Christ. Does anybody want to tell me what double imputation is? Hold on, Rex. Anybody, anybody? What did you... What'd you... Oh, okay. I was like... Anybody know what W-imputation imp- is? Yeah, So amputation? Imputation. <laughs> Let's talk about imputation. What is imputation? It's when you put something in. Well, it's input. That's good.
1: crediting to the account.
0: Crediting to the account of somebody. That is actually very close to the, the definition. So, if my sin is being laid on to Christ on the cross. Cross. That's not nearly enough, right? For me to be in the presence of the Lord. What else must I have?
1: His righteousness. His
0: righteousness, his righteousness applied to me. So my sin is imputed to Christ and his righteousness is imputed to me. Double imputation, okay? So this this is one of the great uh, glorious things that shows us how we can actually be justified before the Father. And it's because we're not only forgiven, but we are made righteous. Not just in His sight, but truly righteous because we are hidden in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so, last week and this week, the, um, the emphasis is on the only person that can bear your sins. The only person that can take and give you righteousness, the correct righteousness, is Jesus Christ. It's not your leaders. It's not your family. It's not and, and it's not your friends. It's not any of that. It's Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Savior of the world, the Creator of the world, the Sustainer of the world by the Word of His power. All the things that we've heard about Christ in these, you know, pages and pages and pages in Hebrews have have come to this point. What's the point? Moses couldn't make a perfect sacrifice. The temple couldn't hold the perfect sacrifice. The people couldn't. Pray for enough sacrifices, right? That there was nothing that was enough, but Jesus is enough. Okay? Jesus is everything that you need. He's not just better. Better is a good way of thinking about it. But he's better than everything. He is sufficient. He is enough. He is everything that you need. There is nothing that you else that you really need as far as your spiritual life goes. All things that pertain to life and godliness godliness are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, Rex, is your voice gone?
1: Yeah, Okay. about two-thirds.
0: Okay, I'm not used to it being so diminished. (laughs) I was like, is he whispering at me for a reason? Anyway, so, here we are. We have come to this point in our passage where it says, through him... Through Jesus, the sacrifice made on our behalf, the one who's given us his righteousness, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Let me ask you this question. Is there a possible sacrifice of praise or good work that is outside of Christ? No. Would anybody like to take the yes side? Is there any effort that is made in vain in this world? Think about it the way I'm asking. Is there any effort, anything that you do, that is made in vain? Yes? Uh, you're no? Yes? No? Yes? House divided on the, over there? I'm asking the question because I think a lot of people get tied up into, well, this is a righteous act, and this isn't a righteous act. This is a good thing, and this is just a a thing that we can we do. But it's not really uh, holy or righteous or God glorifying. So, let me ask you: What do you think in that category may or may not be confused for not God glorifying? What do you think is so mundane that you don't think that it can possibly glorify God? going to the bathroom. But what is it glorifying? It's glorifying your creator. He made a way for you to expel the waste within you. Right? So you can be alive, so you can uh, proclaim his name, because if it was all tied up inside of us, it would not be good. we would all go septic. Right? So so even that, that's a mundane thing. We all do it, but in a way, it proclaims the glory of God. What else? What else?
1: Reflecting the two sides of that, we have the Apostle Paul saying, I will not dare to speak of what Christ has not done in me. Yeah. And on the other side. uh, Man, I just lost the other statement I was going to say, so (laughs) it's good.
0: That's okay. I'm going to go to the other side now. Uh, That's mundane, right? But what about evil? What about evil? What does evil do in this world? Defies God. Defies God. What else? Corrupts. Corrupts things. What else? Perverts. Distracts. What would you say? Perverts. Perverts? Absolutely. Ingr-reeves. Reeves. Reeves. No? Yeah. What else does evil do? Positively. Is there a positive side? There's a
1: contrast.
0: It contrasts what good is. Absolutely. It glorifies the
1: justice and wrath of
0: God. Thank you. It glorifies the justice and the wrath of God. Those are things that are coming from God. Like, you can't have an all-loving God that just wipes away everybody's sins. I say you can't because God has said you can't. Right? But you can't have this God who says, I'm all-loving, And all accepting of all your sin without there being a punishment for that sin. Otherwise, Jesus died in vain. Right? Jesus, why would Jesus need to be on the cross to take your sins from you? And why would he need to impute his righteousness to you if it wasn't something that God did on purpose to glorify his wrath and his justice? Do you understand what I'm saying? The attributes of God are actually brought out in their fullness. Boris wrote a paper on this, so... I'm gonna to go to you, Forrest.
1: Okay.
0: Forrest, tell us: is the, the wrath of God a primary, primary, or a secondary attribute of God?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> the wrath of God is a secondary attribute of God because um, God is actually—it is—it's God displaying His holiness. It and is. His, his set apartness on a sinful world. So, if there wasn't any sin in the world, then it would make God would have no reason to be. Angry or angry with the world, but because of us going sin. away from God, yep. He has to punish that because He's the most high good. So His 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 wrath is actually a display of His love for His own name. So when we go away from His own name, He shows us His wrath because He actually has such a concern for His name. But that wrath isn't actually intrinsic to God in the same way that His love is intrinsic to God. I don't so know, we, know if that makes sense. We
0: say God wrath. is love, right? God is love, and that's. That's a true statement. But God is love also has the other side of the coin, right? That there is wrath because of God's own love for his own holiness and his own name. Right? You understand? Okay, so I'm putting that out there because the, the, what it says in 15 is, through him we can conti- let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. I mean, there's a right way, there's a right way to glorify his name. The wrath of God is not... We don't want to glorify the wrath of God or the justice of God. We want to glorify God's love, his uh, beauty, his truthfulness, his goodness, his kindness, his long-suffering, his steadfastness, his loving kindness, if you want to put all those three words in together. Um, Then we want to do that, but sin also shows us another aspect of God. And so he's not saying just make a sacrifice. He's saying a certain type of sacrifice. Make a sacrifice of praise. One that actually glorifies the goodness, the good character of God. Does that make sense?
1: Like you're saying, just because God is glorified in his wrath, doesn't mean that we should move God to be wrathful towards us.
0: By no means. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Romans is really clear, right? He says, should I continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, no. <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> I want to glorify God's name as, a, as, as who he is and his glory. Right, I want to glorify it in truth.
1: That was that verse that I was trying to come up with. Was whether therefore you eat or drink,
0: do whatever you all, do, whatever you do, yeah. Do all to glory. yeah. Colossians three seventeen, or yeah. Ephesians four something, something in the twenty somethings. <laughs> I only know the Colossians three one really well. Uh, all right, so that is he even defines it. Right, he says that is. Let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, right? The fruit of a lips that acknowledge his name. The ones who acknowledge his name know him, right? They know him, they they love him, they continue in his good will. So, uh, verse 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Last, I think two weeks ago, we, we emphasized two portions, this is the very beginning of 13, two, two points of how do we exhibit brotherly love. Does anybody remember those two points? Bonus points if you do. What were those two main headers? Hospitality and covenant keeping. So, We're supposed to do good to strangers and remember the ones who are in prison, the brothers that are in prison. But also we are to keep our marriages pure, and we are to continue in uh, the covenant with God, not giving ourselves to other idols like money. And so those two things, hospitality and covenant keeping. In this case, we're talking about hospitality, aren't we? It's hospitable to not neglect to do good, right? but to do good and to share what you have right it's hospitable so that and these are good sacrifices that are pleasing to god so he's in these past these two verses he's shown us that it's not only your mouth that professes that jesus is lord but it's your actions okay we have a we have a big word for this right it's not just what we believe orthodoxy okay orthodoxy you have to be orthodox if you're not orthodox and you're not a christian right um, and orthodox just means we believe in a certain set of tenets of Christianity. And without those, we are not Christians. But it's also orthopraxy. In other words, right living. Right? It's not just right belief, it's right living. And he's putting them together. And I'm using theological terms, and I realize that. But the, when we talk about orthodoxy and orthopraxy, we're talking about they have to be the same. One flows from the other. If you don't believe right, you're not going to do right. But doing right does not mean you believe right. Does that make sense? One does not. You have to have flowing the other way. Let me, what is the Ten Commandments? Sum up the Ten Commandments for me. Yep. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Loving your neighbor is great. But if you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, all you did was make an idol of your neighbor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and all you've done is all you've done is just turn it all the way up on, upside down. So we must believe right in this case that Jesus is the only sacrifice worth having. And he's the only one that has actually taken away all the sin in the world. And you don't need to go back to the temple to have another sacrifice made for you because Jesus did it. And you can't. If you do, then you're taking the Lord's name in vain. You have to be very, very careful. And then once you realize, oh, my right belief is centered on Jesus and what he has done, also my outworking of that looks like brotherly love. Looks like being hospitable, not neglecting to do good to others, and sharing with what I have, sharing with others what I have. Does that make sense? So I think this is something we learn very early but we don't necessarily root it in the double imputation of Christ, <laughs> right? We learn oh, we're supposed to love our neighbors I and mean, we're supposed to love God, but why can we love God? Because Jesus is sacrifice for sin and his imputation, his giving of righteousness, bestowing of righteousness upon his people. Okay. Because you are righteous and forgiven, you have the ability to please God. Does that make sense? Because you're in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus only proclaims the name of the Father. He only does what the Father is doing. He only, you know, these these things should be coming through your head. And if they're not, then that's cool. Let's read your Bible a little bit more. Like, let's read them. Let's know what it says. Does anybody have any questions about what we've covered so far? No? Okay. Hopefully I'm being clear. Because I'm not quite awake yet. Um, I've been up since six and I really, yeah, I shouldn't have gotten up. Anyway, 17. So we have this discussion of God Jesus' righteousness, right? And, and his perfect sacrifice. Sacrifice is pleasing God. And he says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Remember back up the end, at the top of 13, what does he say about your leaders? Verse 7. Does somebody want to read verse 7? For me?
1: Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and
0: imitate their faith. Verse 7 is the key to understanding why should I obey my leaders. It's not because they're just a leader, right? Any leader, any person, it's the one who's teaching you the word of God. The one who is bringing you the word of God, the one who is actually doing this, not neglecting to do good for others, right, and sharing what they have. It's the one who's leading in gospel proclamation. It's the one who's leading you to see the spiritual things as better, not the physical things as better. Do you understand where I'm going? So you don't blindly obey any leader. In the military, I had the hardest time with this. And the reason I got out was because I literally, one of the reasons I got out, I should say they're myriad, but... One of the reasons that I got out was because I had a hard time following leaders that did not care whether I lived or died. And the reason why I say that, they would say it with their mouths, they cared. But in reality, they would put me in really bad situations. Really bad situations. And I would come out only by the grace of God in the, on the other side of it. Because it was a lose-lose for me. Not, not saying that, that every leader is like this, but my leaders were like that. And when I went tried to go above him, the chain of command was, you know, now you got a problem with chain of command, and there's a whole bunch of other things. And I had to learn the hard way. Look, Corey, sometimes you just got to salute smartly and say, yes, sir. Right? And those of you in the military, you know, sometimes it's hard things to ask of you. And a lot of that was, I did not understand the bigger picture. Right? I only saw that my life was on the line. But guess who owned my life at the time? Not me the Air Force, right? I was a tool in their hand. I didn't understand that. I got out and I didn't come into that understanding much later in life, that my whole life was dedicated at that moment to the good of the country. And I was a, a tool, for a lack of a better term, for their advantage, right? So that they can move what we can do whatever we needed to do. So here's the, if you're feeling like Here's a moment of application. If you're feeling like you're being used by a leader, you, this is not the military. You absolutely can come and ask. You absolutely should. If you feel like you're being wronged by a leader, if you feel like you're being wronged by me, if you don't come to me, I am going to be more hurt than if you come to me and say, you hurt me. And the reason why is because I have what remains of this, this passage, I have responsibility over your souls. God himself keeps me responsible and Pastor Johnny responsible for your souls. And that I do not want to hurt you. I want to edify you. I want to grow you. I want to bring you along in the scriptures. I want you to see Jesus as more glorious. And so if you feel like this is just a unworthy cause, whatever this thing is, and it's hurting you to continue in it, come and ask. What is the meaning of this? Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't run the other way. Don't say you're a bully and just leave. Um, that's the—that's not the Christian mode of operations. Uh, we operate as a body because we are one body in Christ. And if you sever yourself from that body, in other words, you uh, run from the situation, What all you've done is cause pain to the rest of the body. If I cut my finger off, I'm going to be in pain, right? It's not that I cut my finger off and I don't feel it anymore. No, I cut my finger off and it hurts, right? And so let let us look into what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying you all, all you believers have been bought by the sacrifice of Jesus, of Christ Jesus on the cross, and his sacrifice is enough and plenty to forgive all of your sins and so it also brings you the impetus to keep your covenant within the body itself all right the universal body the local body your job as brothers and sisters in christ is to reconcile with one another if you have a problem if you have a perceived issue go and ask for clarification but you don't obey leaders just because they say obey me you obey them because they are leading you to a christ in Christ Jesus, as the ultimate sacrifice. Now, there's a lot of like intricacies here, and I don't know about you guys, but I have been strung. There has been a, a long string of like podcasts and stories and things that have happened in evangelicalism as a wide body. I'm just going to name a few: the uh, Mars Hill debacle with Mark Driscoll, the James McDonald implosion at Harvest Bible Chapel. If you don't know these things, they were abusive leaders. They're they're abusive leaders, on like the in the real. But not every leader is abusive. Does that make sense? So if, abu- if 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 I come to you and I correct you about something, by all means, like if you get hurt by that, please talk to me about it. But here's the thing: is I'm not correcting you out of anger, malice, do it my way, or any of those things. But the Lord Jesus Himself says. you need to change whatever that is right and if you're not hearing those words this is how you i'm going to equip you ready if you're not hearing hey the lord jesus says in his word says bring the on the evidence of two or three witnesses accused so so and so and you only have one person or let me use something more straightforward if if I am saying, look, this is a real thing that happened, okay, and thing A happened, but I'm going to call it something else than what it didn't, what it really wasn't, okay. Uh, I'm going to gaslight you in general. Do you know what gaslighting is? Okay. Personally, I, the play is actually quite entertaining. If you ever go watch it, it comes from a play. The name of the play. Anyway, if I'm gaslighting you and intentionally doing so, and you witness this event. You, you have every right to come and tell me and that I, hey, you are abusing this situation. Don't, not, don't necessarily level the abusive language. But if, if I see it one way, you see it another, and uh, for instance, I see the situation and say, that is sin, let me show you. And you say, nah, not sin. I don't believe that was sin. The Bible says that that was sin. <laughs> let me show you. Your heart has to be soft toward one another because you should be doing this to one another also. This isn't just my job as a leader. This is your job as a member of the same body. Remember, if you sever your hand off, what happens? Everything hurts. (laughs) Let's not do that even by our sin. Let's not do that with our separation. Let's continue to draw near one another, right? Because Christ is drawing near to us and helping us learn to deal with one another's burdens okay I don't know if I'm being like super clear but obey your leaders sounds pretty clear and the only reason why it says that is because Jesus himself has died for you and the leaders are bringing you the word of god okay and if those people are doing those things then let them do it without grumbling and groaning and complaining right i can i can honestly say that from my very small experiences within like the last 10 years of ministry. It is always more joyful. It, it just stirs up joy in my heart when I see people repent of sin. Now, I'm not going I'm going to bring sin to you, but when I see them liberated from that burden that they were carrying, that is a beautiful thing. There's nothing better than that because they actually have taken hold of what Christ won for them. You know, it's a beautiful thing. You should be rejoicing in that moment if you are told or made aware of something. One of the hardest things is to see when they hold on to those burdens. And they don't recognize that Christ Jesus was their sacrifice and their righteousness. And they're just like, no, I'm going to hurt. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to hurt. I want to grow in bitterness. I want to grow in my anger. That's not, that's actually the neglect to do good to others. You're actually neglecting to do good to others and yourself because you're all of one body. You see how this is going? So, here's what I'm saying. Obey your leaders and submit to them is not something you do blindly, but you do it with the predication of God is bringing the word of God, his word through those leaders and as far as they are in line with that word, the right thing to do is submit to them. Not because they're bludgeoning you over the head with a hammer, and saying, do it, but because you love the Lord, and you love his work. All right, I'm going to move from us. But if you have questions about those things, please bring them to me, because the end of 17 is beautiful. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be no advantage of you for you. It is no advantage for you to just constantly levy weight upon your leader's Or to um, say that they don't have the ability or the, the, the responsibility to watch over your souls. That is exactly what they're being held to by the word of God. And by God himself. So, let them do this with joy. 18. Pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience. Desiring to act honorably in all things. Just playing off of 17. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. So uh, here's my here's my like one plug for Paul as the uh, Paul is the main author, and if you really want to go with it, Timothy as the amanuensis. Yes, I used a big word. The one who wrote it. Um, Paul, Paul, think about this. Where is Paul? What is Paul doing in Italy? What is what is Paul doing in Italy? Why is he in Rome? He got what? He got He got God, right? He's arrested. He had, enough, he had the ability to actually walk away, right? And he's, But he said, no, I proclaim by Caesar. <laughs> and so he went on purpose in chains to Italy, to Rome. And so here you go. Here's another reason. Why did Paul write this? I got you, Dave. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, I think Timothy wrote it, but Paul is the one that's speaking it. Um, he says... Uh, At the very end, uh, I urge you the more earnestly to do this thing, and I may restore to you the sooner. Restored to you the sooner. He's held captive by something, right? Um, And it's just a good thing to, hey, pray for your leaders. That's what he's saying. Obey them. Don't just obey them. Pray for them. Pray for them to do the godly thing. Pray for them to live in a godly way, and to do so with joy. And then we come to the benediction. Have you ever heard this benediction? I actually read in service. Maybe not here, but somewhere else. Yeah, it's pretty familiar. It's pretty uh, famous, benediction. But here it is. Now may the God of peace, who brought, brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. He's just summarizing Hebrews, guys. Equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you hear all of the echoes? They might be faint, but the echoes of the rest of Hebrews tied up in that. May the God of peace. Why did he send his son? So that the sacrifice would be done, right? Who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, right? He's the one who was brought... From the dead for our sakes. He was the great he is the great shepherd of the sheep. He's better than Moses. By the blood of the eternal covenant, not the one that was made in the temple. You hear hear what I'm saying? Or on Sinai. What? Or on Sinai. Or on Sinai, or any of these things. And or Horeb or which is Sinai, but anyway, all these all these things. He's he's summarizing within this benediction all that he wanted you to hear. May the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you're wondering, here's a moment of application, if you're wondering what Christ has done and wants from you, you only need to come to Hebrews 13, 20 to 21. Right? What, what he wants from you is to glorify him as the risen Savior. What he wants from you is to glorify him as the one who leads you and guides you through his word. He is the one who keeps you in the eternal covenant. It's eternal, guys. It cannot be broken. Without time, that's what eternal means. It cannot be broken. It's a covenant made in Christ's blood that is also eternal. Right? Right? It has eternal significance. And to equip you with everything good that you may do his will. When we keep our eyes, and this is why we sing these songs, when we keep our eyes on Jesus, he satisfies our souls, but he also drives us to do good. When you really look at Jesus and how great he was, it's not just, oh, he was a good example. That's what a liberal would say. But conservative Bible-believing Christians say, no, he's not just a good example. He is the reason why I can do good at all. Because he himself is wholly good and I'm hidden in him. And so this idea of Jesus being the one we fix our eyes to, I'm going to sing it today in a new song. I apologize for bringing, well, I don't apologize for bringing in new songs. I I love songs and music, especially good ones. Um, Sorry. But we have to, we, we need to submit these things into our lives. And if, if for instance, memorizing scripture isn't your thing, sometimes you, the best thing to do is go find a song that embodies those scriptures, right? So that you can sing them to yourself as you are going through your day. It's a, it's a good way. If that's not your thing, um, then put on a tape. Yes, I said a tape, or something, and read that scripture to that tape and record it. Um, I do this on my phone because I don't use tapes anymore. I don't even think I own one I think about it. I think I own one from like 91. Anyway. Uh, but I go through, and if there's something that I'm trying to memorize, what I will do is record myself saying the verse. And I will put it in my ear, through my headphones, through my car, and I'll all hear it is that verse over and over and over again. Because I want to own that verse. Right? I don't want Max McLean, as great as a reader he is, to own that verse for me. I want to own that verse. I want to own what Christ has said. Do you hear the, the? This is why I do do silly things like read myself the scriptures, because I want it to be cemented in my mind in a way that I can remember remember it. Are there any questions about this benediction? What's the purpose of the benediction? Tell me. Good
1: words.
0: Good words. What benediction means? What's closing. the closing? Closing. Yes. A summation, absolutely. It's to leave you with a thought. It's a review in a lot of ways. Right? It's, it's like, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Remember who Jesus is. Remember what he's done. Remember what you are to do. And that's as simple as that meditation can be broken down. Who he is. Who you are. What are you to do about it? So... Final greetings. I appeal to you, brothers, bear, bear with my word of exhortation. So what is Hebrews? What is Hebrews in general? Uh, the book. The book itself. It's an exhortation. Right. What is exhortation? Somebody define it for me. What is to exhort? Instruct. Encourage or intrigue. More entreat More and encourage. Yes
1: people to follow a certain course. Encur- like, en- encourage yeah. someone to do a certain thing.
0: It's the shepherd's staff pushing the sheep out of a hole. It's the goad by which someone pushes you out of or into something good. right? We exhort one another because we want something to happen.
1: The uh, X is out, so...
0: Right, but um, so if you're going to look at the Hebrew side of this, I understand what like, the, 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 this exhortation, a noun, can sound like for us in, in this. But this is to push us to do something, not to drive something out of us, necessarily. The exhortation is a, a, a pleading. It's a pleading for you to do something particular, and he's asking you to bear with this exhortation. In other words, take it upon yourselves. That Jesus is who he says he is. You don't need another sacrifice. You don't need another leader. You don't need another, like an ultimate leader. You don't need another person to lead you out of the wilderness. Jesus can do that for you right now. And has done it for you if you're in Christ Jesus. For I have written to you briefly, he says. (laughs) You should know that your your brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if, if he comes soon with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Sorry, reading is a hard thing for me right now. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. Grace be with all of you. Can't even get my... Anyway. So here's what I want to ask you. With We have no time left, but I'm going to take the next five minutes. And I want to hear from you. What is one thing you've taken away from Hebrews? We've been in this thing for so long. That you should be able to walk away with what does Hebrews mean? But if you haven't figured that out, if that's not what it is, then what are you walking away with from Hebrews? Tell me.
1: That at the end of the day, Jesus is better than anything, under his,
0: like anything on earth. No matter what it is, he is better
1: and that's who we should be looking at. Absolutely. 100%. Anybody else? To push forward. Yes. Don't look back and obey.
0: Don't be Lot's wife, who is a pillar of salt. Right? Don't look back. It's a great one. But Jesus even uses the, the plow analogy. He says, who's fit for the one who's fit for the kingdom of heaven? The one who looks straight ahead, but not the one who looks behind. Right? Yes, that was my paraphrase, not speak.
1: And also, when praising God can remove you from what you are praising. When you're looking down, you're praising that. Mm. But if you're looking to God and praising Him, you're praising Him that He will remove you from that situation that you're looking down to. Mm. So, praising Him. When Pastor Johnny says, "What is your, what has God been with you this week? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody should be able to speak something.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Because if not then you're saying that it has not been your letter
0: through the week. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way of putting it. I was gonna say, if you don't have anything, this is not to levy any like guilt here. Yeah. If you don't have anything, I, I I do want you to focus on what God who God is throughout the week. That's kind of what this is that time is for. Is so you can turn your eyes to Jesus and see how sufficient he is. You turn your eyes to his word and see how great it is. See turn your eyes to the Holy Spirit who is in you, and so he removes all of the other things around you. So that's not just a, a platitude who has God been for you today, or what are the attributes of God that, have, that have, you've seen. It's so that it's to exhort you to look. Right? Look, watch, read, and be careful. And what else did, uh, the book has the book of Hebrews left you with as we've studied it?
1: We can have full assurance of faith because Christ has been
0: faithful. Absolutely. Christ has been faithful and so we can have full assurance that he will continue to be faithful. And our faith is not in vain. What else? It's one thing to know
1: that. It's another thing to actually do that. Amen. So we need, so we need, to, we need to take advantage of that and actually draw
0: in Right. Christ. Absolutely. It, it is one thing to know a thing, right? It's another thing to act on it. Right, and to remember those things as you go through your own life. And you might say Jesus is better a thousand times to yourself as a mantra, but if you never act like it, what good was it? Right? What, what good did it do to you? It probably didn't do very much. All right. Anybody else? One more. What did, What is the book of Hebrews leaving you with as we've journeyed through these last thirty six weeks? Oh, okay yeah absolutely it's engendered greater love for the Savior himself absolutely all of the good things that he Christ is is better than any good thing you're going to receive in this world because Christ is all-sufficient, glorious great greater beyond all, all of our imagination With that let's pray uh, next week we start a new study through spiritual disciplines so I will have handouts for you) <laughs> if you would like a handout so you can take home i will have handouts and we'll have a couple other things but next week we start spiritual disciplines of a godly life Um, if you are if you're thinking I already know all that please come and be reminded of the ways that you can be connected and learn about who God is and enjoy him forever like we really do believe that that you are uh, made a certain way and that is to glorify God throughout your entire life it's not just on Sundays it's not just on whatever um, thing, uh, whatever moments that are highs, but it's through every single moment of your life. And spiritual disciplines help you do that. So, with that, let's pray, and then we'll be done. Oh, Father, you've been good to us to show us again uh, the Lord of glory and all that that means for our lives. Lord, we thank you for the book of Hebrews and how it has pointed us to Christ. How he is not only Good, but he is sufficient. That he is greater than we could ever imagine. That he's a perfect sacrifice. He's a sacrifice that not only takes away our sins, but gives us righteousness upon faith. Lord, we pray that that grace would just (coughs) envelop us even today as we worship his name in spirit and truth. Lord, give us the strength to face whatever is in front of us this week. And that we would go not thinking about those situations, but we would be focused on your Son, who is glorious beyond measure. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.